What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the baseball edition. I am Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day DFW, joined by Kevin Sherrington. Kevin, are you in a better mood now? No, I am not. And Barry Horn, who's always in a happy mood. Barry? I am in a great mood today, and perhaps I'm in a great mood because we have, for the second week in a row, we have a guest from Fresh Meadows, New York. John, are you from Fresh Meadows, New York? I am originally from Fresh Meadows, New York. Yes, I am. And last week we, we, we had Gary Myers, the NFL writer from the New York Daily News, who's also from Fresh Meadows. He was our guest last week. All right. Well, John wow. Daniels, Rangers general manager, who I, I just thought was from – I thought Queens was just like a general name. I didn't realize that there were actually town names in Queens. Neighborhoods. We call them neighborhoods, Evan. Come on. Neighborhoods. All right. So you are from Fresh Meadows, New York, and you are – coming off of a big sweep off the Detroit Tigers. And notably this week, you decided to go out and get some guys that you had in training camp this year. So how did that all work out with the reacquisitions of Bobby Wilson and, and Drew Stubbs? And, and where did the, the impetus for those moves come from? Well, first off, we call it spring training in <laughs> baseball. Uh, but uh, I'll let it, we'll let it slide. Thank you. Uh, these are both guys that we know well. We know what they bring to the to the team from our experience last year uh, with with both and uh, and then spring training. And they were two of the tougher calls uh, this camp. They, they you know both played well enough to make the team. Uh, we know kind of like I said exactly what they bring to the table. Both probably defensive oriented first and foremost, and so it's kind of extra. Um, Rewarding, I guess you'd say, to especially with Bobby with the grand slam to, to see him contribute on the offensive side. He, he'd made some our hitting coaches, Anthony, I posted and Justin Mayshore felt like he'd made some real adjustments in camp uh, offensively. He's always going to be defense first, but they felt like he'd he'd made some physical adjustments with his swing, and it was nice to see it play out that way. You know, yeah, when I talked to him in Toronto, he had talked about things he had tried to address this off season and in training camp, which was not going to worry about taking these little defensive swings and just putting the ball into play and not worry so much about if there's a swing and miss, but I should be able to drive the ball a little bit more. And I, I, I think that has shown up. Did you guys see that in spring training as well? Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, that's what he had he'd spent some time with uh, with Anthony and Justin on. And, um, and I think that comes with just maturity. You know, I think that – as guys are through the league for a while and realize what they can do, can't do, and are willing to, you know, make some sacrifices, give something up on, on one side or the other, and that's kind of where Bobby was. He's secure in himself. He knows who he is as a player, and he said, "You know what? I've got, I've got the ability to drive the ball here. You know, I'm not going to be afraid of swing and miss or, or something along those lines." And he, he's taking it out into the, into his uh, at bat. It's been fun to watch. Hey, I think the thing that, that caught some fans by surprise was the way all those moves came down in that obviously from a fan perspective and they don't, you know, they're not inside the organization. They see Chris Jimenez, saw that he made some contributions last year, saw, you know, a, a really uh, genuinely nice person 
uh, and, and they were surprised that you guys chose chose Wilson over Jimenez. It does it come down to defense for you and, and the game calling and, and what led to 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 Bobby over Chris there? I think it's primarily what you said, you know, the, the, on the defensive side. And there's there's a lot of elements to defense, uh, right? I mean, there, there's the the catch throw piece, um, and even on the on the catching side specifically, you're, you break that down. You're talking about receiving, kind of on the physical side, framing, the ability to kind of steal a strike here or there, and then working with the pitcher, you know, executing a game plan and and, and um, reading swings and all that. And you know, Bobby excels in that area. Uh, helped us lie last year, as did Chris. You know, Chris. Uh, Chris was a. Um, I mean, he's outstanding. You know, we won a ton of games where he played in. I just think, as we we look forward, kind of what we're trying to get out of out of that spot, and, and, and what we're trying to get out of our pitching staff. You know, we made the decision. Bobby was a better fit for us right now. John, you know, AJ Griffin was pitching himself in my mind into this rotation, and well, he's already in it, but I mean, but he was maybe locking up a place in it until. Y'all had to put him on the DL with some shoulder issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have any further information about that and about where that might stand and what the prognosis is for him? Are you going to see Dr. Meister later today, Kevin? I think I wasn't on the trip um, from talking to our staff and and, uh, medical staff and Benny and Jamie Reed and everyone that kind of felt like A.J. maybe could have just skipped a start and been okay. And with the off day, we actually had the ability to do that. But we, two things: one, you know, you're facing some some good offense here this week. We've taxed the bullpen a little bit at times. Um, we just thought an extra arm protect ourselves would be would be wise. And you know, played out yesterday where we were able to save an inning off somebody else and and, and throw Claudio in, in that situation. And then two, you know, AJ had he missed all 14 with Tommy John, and then last year as he was coming back from Tommy John, he had some shoulder. Uh, soreness that was more significant than what he felt the other day. We just figured let's give it the full two weeks and and, and let it calm down. Assuming that you know Dr. Meister agrees and lets him keep throwing, um, and you know we want to kind of think a little bit longer term. But the off days this Thursday and then next Thursday allow us to do that without having to you know totally uh, uh, find a new starter. Does that influence what y'all might do with AJ going forward? Uh, you know the fact that he's had to. You know, had this little uh, setback here. Uh, would that have any uh, influence on you at all? Making a decision well, about him longer term. If he's healthy and throwing the way he was previously, then you know it shouldn't have any effect. But that's the question: is, is where is he health wise, uh, and what effect will this, if any, will, will it have on him? But I mean, listen, I, we still have. You know, if, if AJ hadn't had the hiccup, we still have. You know, a little while. We still probably have a couple of weeks before Darvish is back, and um, you know, so we haven't. We're, we don't have to make that call yet. But I mean, it's pretty easy to say he's outpitched some of the other guys in, in the rotation right now. Um, pretty exciting to watch, and, and he's been a, a big piece for us here early on. So, does that mean? You're, are you saying that that he probably, if he had not had this setback, and if there was not anything foreseeable in his health issues, that he uh, he would be in the rotation when Darvish came back? Not committing to that, and we haven't made that call. But I think we just want to play it out, you know. I mean, and uh, I think competition, generally speaking, is a good thing. Uh, we have expectations to win, and and if, you know, for the most part, if we have a guy up here who is one of the, the better guys on the team, more productive guys on the team, you don't want to send that guy out because 
you know, that, that isn't consistent with what our team goals are. I think you truly are at a point right now where you have the ability to say, this guy gives us the best chance to win every fifth day, or this guy gives us the best chance to win every night in terms of how you make your roster decisions. Do you do you feel like you're at a, at a better place in that regard? Well, that comes with depth. I mean, the, the, you, you know, right, without yeah. depth, it's, that, that, that's not possible. Uh, but, yeah, I think our staff has done a great job preparing not just the starting group, but some uh, some layers of depth behind that. And, and not just guys that can kind of fill out the roster, but guys that can come in and make a contribution, you know, that have specific strengths and Banny can put in a position to succeed. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're trying to make decisions as much as possible along those lines. Sometimes other factors weigh in, right? Sometimes the guy's out of options. Uh, you don't want to lose lose that uh, that player. Uh, sometimes you have a contractual situation that, that that plays into it. So it's not it's not a hundred percent, you know, meritocracy. But we try to make it as much as one as we can. John, John, when you're home uh, and you're not on the road with the team, oh my you, gosh, what kind of questions? No, no, be? I want to know. Here's my question. This is a question fans want to know. It's going to involve a smoking jacket and slippers. <laughs> no, it'll be this. Do you watch? Do you watch the game? Do you are you listening to? Are you listening to the broadcasters? Do you turn the sound down? Are you listening to the radio, or are you on the phone talking with with some of your some of your assistants or what? How do you watch a game at home? Uh, I will watch. Um, generally speaking, on TV. Uh, I know some people try to sync up the radio and the TV. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not sure I could do that. So I just I just watch our TV broadcast for the most part. Um, you know, I've got three kids that are all you know, all sorts of activities, so I'll end up kind of bouncing around. And, and when I'm home, I try to be there as much as possible. So I'll, I'll watch it on, on, the, on the iPhone quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I, pretty, I watch pretty much all of our games, and if I'm not able to see it on TV, I'm in the car for some reason, then I'll listen to it on the radio. You know, one thing about – I just want to go back to the meritocracy idea for a second. One thing that surprised me, and, and – I felt like when I went to you this week in Toronto, when, when you were on the trip in Toronto and uh, brought to you the question about no more Mazzara and what happens with Mazzara when Chu comes back, I, I kind of expected you to laugh at me. And I kind of expected you to say, hey, let's get there, let's get there. And you know what we deal with on an everyday basis in that it's impossible to make plans for two or three weeks down the road because so much can happen. But I thought you were quite, you were as emphatic as I thought you could be that, hey, if things stay the same, Mazzara plays. You feel like he's shown you um, enough in this month that he's been up here to, to kind of really give you an idea that this, guy, that, that this guy belongs, again, providing nothing changes. Yeah, with all the, with all the conditions, like you said, uh, health and things stay the same and whatnot, he's, he's done a very good job. And I, I think the other thing I said to you is that I don't want to oversell it, I don't want to undersell, but he's done his job. Right. And and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, he, he's played very well, uh, and not just results uh, that you could see, but, you know, the quality of, of his at-bats, his defense, uh, his decision-making, uh, his work ethic, fitting in on the club. And you can tell the way that when, when veterans embrace a young player that, 
you know, he's kind of checking some of those boxes that they're looking for from a teammate, and, and he does that as well. So uh, that, that's kind of why I said what I said. If, if things continue along those lines, you know, he's the kind of player you're looking to be looking to get in there and can help us win, and you know, we want to we want to be about. So, uh, with that in mind, about uh, you know, guys and, and the possibilities of, of adding to the roster, what do you need to see from Matt Bush uh, before he pitches at the big league level? Sure. Uh, one one more thought on the Mazzara thing, and really, and it applies to all these decisions, is that you know, when you have some level of roster flexibility and some level of depth, which we feel good about right now uh, in most spots. Um, these decisions aren't permanent, right? So just, you know, if we make a decision to, to send one guy down or keep one guy up, I mean, that can change over the course of time. And I think sometimes we look at these things, not just the Rangers or the media or fans, industry-wide, we look at these things as, like, permanent decisions. And um, they, they could be, you know, if, if performance continues, but they don't have to be. Uh, on the on the Bush deal, Kevin, um, you know, he's been really good. Uh, he has um, actually just started taking a slider out into the game. Uh, he's been pretty much fastball, curveball through spring training and through the first month of the season in Frisco. I've been working on a slider on the side and uh, and just took it out in the game here this week. Uh, that's something we want to see him continue to work on. A little bit of a harder breaking ball, I think. We feel like it has a chance to be his ultimately his out pitch. Um, but, you know, it's almost, if anything, it's almost like he throws up too many strikes, if, if that's possible. Uh, his, you know, his delivery is so sound and he's, he's pounding the zone so much that, you know, hitters have, you know, kind of been able to cheat to the fastball a little bit. Um, and actually, the, the two home runs he's given up were on, uh, he was ahead of, the, ahead of the hitter with two strikes and he threw a curveball for a strike. So I think there's, there's little elements like that that, you know, he just kind of has to get used to. And, you know, and it's when he's ahead 0-2, yeah, you may want to go curveball, but, you know, bounce it or you know, elevate a fastball. You, you, know, you don't have to throw a, a, per, you know, a perfect strike right in that spot. So just some of the things from inexperience and not just from being away for the last three years, but even before that, he'd only pitched for a couple, a couple of seasons. So there's, there's still some – some things along those lines that I think experience will will help with, and whether that's in the minor leagues or the big leagues, I think it's going to be you know a growth curve all year. So and, that and what about the acclimation aspect of it? You know, I, I this guy does have extenuating circumstances, and I think he has made some certainly some strides, and there's some uh, guards and and and, and uh, kind of ca- uh, counterbalances and checks in place, but. What about the acclimation just to basically, you know, being being somewhat free and, and, and able to, to to live a life here? Well, take baseball out of it for a second. I mean, he's he's an alcoholic, so there is going to be that element to his life you know, moving forward, regardless of what his occupation is or where he's living or whatnot. So that's, that's kind of first and foremost. And I think he's you know, continuing the process day to day of, you know, how he stays ahead of that and, and how he stays accountable to you know, all the things that are, that are critical and important to him. Um, and we have a, a support network here. He has one, you know, previous to coming to the Rangers. Um, and, you know, knock on whatever, everything's been, been very good. I mean, he's been 
extremely focused and, and uh, accountable to the process so far. And, you know, that's that would be the most important thing is to say to that. Um, no different than, you know, than anybody else who's dealing with the same thing. Is it fair to say, John, that, that you wouldn't expect him to be somebody you would be bringing up in the next couple of weeks? It sounds more like maybe after the All-Star break, uh, that just to give him some time to acclimate himself to, to everything uh, and, and not to rush him. I don't know. I'm not going to put a timeline or, or limitations on it either way, Kevin. I think, you know, from a, a straight stuff perspective, um, you know, it's, it's major league quality ability, ton of strikes. Uh, like I said, it's probably more the, the nuances of pitching that are, that are the, uh, the bigger thing for him to work on. The off field stuff has, um, you know, has been without issue to this point. And, um, you know, I, but I, listen, whether we bring him up tomorrow, or we bring him up, you know, next year, um, there's always going to be, you know, some question. It's always going to be a first for him. So, I, you know, that, that's not going to change based on the time. You've got you, – you have some depth in terms of relief options. And in, in your mind, where is Luke Jackson right now in, in that peck, in that pecking order, John? I mean, is, is he, in your mind, ahead of Matt? Uh, I don't want to rank him. I mean, I'm more focused on how they're doing individually. You know, I think Luke has uh, – it bounced back from the back issue he had early in spring training. Uh, he's thrown well. Um, he, he's had some delivery uh, adjustments that he's made and allowing him to command his fastball a little better. And based on all the reports, that's been that's been uh, much improved. So he, he's very much on. You know, he's already pitched in the big leagues, had some success, but he, he's very much in, in the picture as well. You know, John, uh, we were talking about the uh, depth a while ago, and um, it, it seems to me that this team, what kind of impresses me about it, I don't know if it's just the depth or if I don't know if it's the difference in the managers, but uh, it seems to me there is more of a willingness uh, on the part of the manager to say, you know, we're going to be patient with this guy, we're going to give him a shot, uh, but if something goes wrong here, we're going to try something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, in each of the last two years, he's changed the leadoff guy basically five months in five weeks into the season. Right, and and, and a willing, and, and you know what I, I have to say, uh, you know, I, I like that. I I I, I want to give a guy a chance to play and, and get you know things straight. But uh, I think that there needs to be a feeling out there that there's a competition, and then if I'm not living up to what I'm supposed to do, there's somebody else who's going to replace me. Do you, do you feel like there is more of that now than at any time that you've been the uh, general manager of the Rangers? It's definitely a strength of Banny's. I mean, there's no doubt. He's he's really good at uh, uh, kind of staying flexible um, and and responding to not. Re- I don't want to say reacting because that sounds like knee jerk and it's not that at all. But responding to the club and how things are going and looking at a lot of inf- information, talking to the staff and also making decisions that are in the team's best interest. And that may very well be sticking with someone who's struggling or, or, you know, keeping somebody who's scuffling in a, in a key spot in the lineup because he knows, like, long-term, we're going to need that guy to, to, to get going. And you saw it with Desmond a little bit. Gave him one day off, and, and we were rewarded for it. You know, but he kept him right there in the middle of the, in the order. And if anything else, he started playing him in center field more. You know, almost put him in a more prominent spot, and, and he responded. So, yeah, I think Benny's very good about, you know, utilizing everyone on the club. Uh, there really, uh, there aren't any real dead spots on the team. 
you know, the, occasionally the long man will go a little while without pitching. But, I mean, if you're on the bench or you're in the bullpen, you're going to play. You know, and, and, uh, and, you know, Benny talked about last year, talked about the next man up mentality. I mean, you get called up today, you expect to be in the game. He's, you know, he's not going to hesitate to put you in there. Would you be comfortable with Desmond, if it worked out this way, being the everyday center fielder? Well, listen, my hesitation in answering that is I don't want to come across as a, anything, a commentary on, on Delino. I mean, if the question is, do I think Ian Desmond can play center field at, at a high level in the big leagues? The answer is yes. Uh, defensively, that we, you know, we feel that way. We feel he can handle that. J.D., you were with the club for, for for three days in Toronto this week. The offense struggled a little bit on the road, started to come out of it against Detroit. W- was there anything that you took out of out of those three days in Toronto uh, looking at the offense? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think that there, there were a couple guys that were in maybe a little more swing mode, you know, and allowed pitchers. To expand the to expand the zone on them and and uh, you know you kind of see some guys working through that but um, no, no I, I just thought it was kind of an ebb and flow of the season you know that was all I thought we the intensity was really good I thought the the pregame work and the focus was good um, I wasn't in the advanced meeting but talking to the, the staff you know they were encouraged by it and the players were locked in you know just I don't think we're talking about it if. You know, one of those, even just one of those two walk-offs right. goes the other way. You know, the, the, the margin of, of uh, difference in, in those games was so narrow. Right. You know, I mean, we could easily, honestly, we could easily won three out of four. We could have gotten swept. I mean, uh, you know, there's only really one game that wasn't you know, really tight down the stretch. So, um, you know, I think that's just the nature of the game. And you know, we had a little bit of a slow, slow few days offensively and broke out in Detroit. In specific, are you at all are you at all concerned about Prince's slow start at this point? I mean, listen, I, I trust that he's uh, going to come out of it. I really do. I, I think the uh, some of the signs that you look for, um, you know, in, in 2014, uh, you know, in, in BP, like he didn't have like, the, the the impact and the kind of power and just raw power you're looking forward to see in batting practice. And that was something that we talked about in spring training. Nobody really, you know, kind of obviously put it together. He had a neck injury, but you could already see some of those symptoms. I, I don't see that right now. You know, talking to the staff, like they don't see it right now. They see uh, impact, him impacting the baseball. Um, they don't feel like the the bat has slowed down or anything along those lines. I think he's just in a little bit of a prolonged slump, and uh, you know something that that can be and, and will be corrected. And uh, I think that's where I said earlier. I think Danny's, you know, putting him in a spot, showing him some confidence, and you know, I, I expect we'll be rewarded for it. How how has uh, Joey Gallo looked? He's he's been very good. Uh, his a bat, his approach has been excellent. Uh, he's cut down the swing and missed some. Uh, he's on the DL right now with a with a groin injury. He'll be down a couple weeks, um, but uh, you know, he's he's done everything that uh, we've asked it's from from an offensive standpoint and been very very good. 
You know, one of the things that we we talked about on here, and, I, and I'm, I'm 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 trying to remember if we talked about this with you, uh, is that with such great prospects like like Joey and and like Nomar, uh, two terrific prospects, but two completely different kinds of hitters. Uh, and and obviously you want to see uh, Joey uh, do a little better job on, on the swing and miss. But he's going to be a guy who's going to strike out a lot, and and I'm not sure he's going to be a guy who's going to hit for a lot of average. But what you would expect is that there's just going to be a lot of pop there. Is uh, what is a reasonable assessment of what you expect him to do when he reaches the big leagues? I, don't know, I think he's going to be a uh, in time, whether that's this year, next year, whatever. I think Joey's going to be an impactful big league power hitter. You know. Um, and you look around the game and, and uh, uh, you know, look at the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs are, are loaded with guys with, with uh, big strikeout rates and big power. Uh, the Orioles, the same. Um, you know, so there, I don't expect that he's ever going to be a guy that's, that's not going to have swing and miss as part of his game. That's going to be part of who he is and part of what he does. You know, you're talking about a big man with, with, with a powerful swing, and um, there's going to be some – some of that, uh, and we're not looking. For, we're not looking for him to ch- change who he is. Just maybe be a little more selective and uh, and all that. But uh, whenever it is, um, you know, Joey's gonna. We, we think Joey's got the ability to be a you know, very productive power hitter in the game. JD, last thing for me, and I, I do think I, if I'm not mistaken, there Joey's almost cut down that strike out the walk rate to about one to one this year. I think is that about right? Yeah, I mean. it's it, limited sample here early going right yes it's been very good last thing for me and i i wrote a column about this after the the rough start in toronto uh is Derek holland in your mind a little bit predictable at this point for other for other clubs well it was the other day you know i don't know i don't know if he you'd say that he is every time it's kind of like baseball the cat and mouse game you know and, and one team adjusts, and the other team has to. And, you know, right now, hitters hitters have adjusted to, to Derek somewhat. Um, you know, he, he I mean, he said the other day or, or a couple weeks ago, he doesn't have the same velocity he had a few years ago, uh, and, and that's okay. I mean, you look at you know Verlander yesterday was outstanding. He still has good velocity, but not to where he used to be. Right. You know, David David Price, Felix Hernandez, and I know these are some of the elite of the elite. Um, but you're seeing guys all over the game, Madison Bumgarner, guys that maybe lose a tick off velocity, and um, they have other weapons, other ways to to get guys out. I think that's the stage that Derek's at right now is making that adjustment. You know, how is which what is that adjustment going to be? How is he going to um, going to compensate for it? He's been very effective up until the other day in Toronto. Right. Um, you know, uh, so, but I, I would expect that to continue. But yeah, he's going to have to make some adjustments and continue to do so. You have to kind of transition from being a power pitcher in your mind to being more of a a, a thinker. Is that is does that make sense? I, yeah, you just have to have some some other ways to go about it. I mean, if you were to boil it down, you know, coming up through the, through the system and and you know, the first year or two in the big leagues, like, what did Derek do so well? It, you know, he's ninety four, ninety six across his body. Um, you know, and was able to to really both sides, but especially a glove side and pound righties in, mm-hmm. you know, and he had a, he had a good change up, especially when he, when he first got up to the big leagues and then the slider got a little better as he got going. I mean, 
you know, he's going to have to make some adjustments off of that. And you've seen some of them. You've seen him start to do it a little bit, and uh, I expect he'll continue to do that. All right, John. Well, we we kept you far longer than we should have today. We you always do. Them. We always do, Evan. You always say, "John, give us five minutes." Now we're twenty six minutes in. I apologize. Do you know how much John. time you owe, John? I owe him a lot. It's a lot more than for just this. I can yeah, tell you that's that. for sure. John, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you. Thanks, John. Bye, Kevin. Did you watch any baseball this week? I did. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Rangers this week? Uh, you, you know, I didn't get to see as much of the Tiger series. Uh, we had some baseball games, some Hillcrest games for finishing the playoffs. We, we were out of the playoffs, by the way, if anybody was wanting to know that. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I was, I was too. Uh, what did you think of the Toronto series? Were you surprised that there was not much more, there was not more in terms of, uh, brushbacks, paybacks, benches clearing, anything like uh, that? No, I, I wasn't expecting to see that. Uh, you know, um, I I guess the thing that uh, that uh, you know gets me about that is that some of the things you see happen on the field, uh, but with certain players and and things that cost you games. You know, what's always frustrating to me watching any level of a baseball game is that if if the other team is better than you, then and, and you and you get beat, well, that, then that's not such a bad thing. If you're in a position to beat that team, then it bothers it, ratchets it up. If if you're better than that team, then you do stupid things, and that really bothers me uh and I, I still see things that, that happen you know uh with this team that are that's that's foolishness you know uh, they still still bad decisions get made um and and obviously it's mostly with the younger guys and which is a good thing obviously if you're getting that from older guys you're in real trouble right uh and they need to make decisions but you on know I'm, I'm tired of hearing the younger guys these guys have been playing baseball their uh, entire i, I agree with you 100 percent. yeah but barry i mean the the game <clears throat> It, it is impossible for the three of us to understand how the game speeds up at that level in that in that environment. Um, I have no doubts that the game sped up on Elvis Andrus last year during the playoffs in that level. Going full speed for a pop fly is not the game speeding up. I, it's, you know. Well, that's I, reaction. I, yeah. I think, yeah, that that goes back and you know, like what you're talking about. What's was there something that stood out? Well, no, I mean, we, we it, it, this goes back a little further than that. The, the last Sunday's game, uh, the, the line of the shields play in in right center, and, right. and, and, and you know, and, and that kind of thing to me is what Barry's talking about. You just go full out all the time. You you play hard all the time. You know, and I know, I know that there's very few guys who do it. Uh, but you look at a Dustin Pedroia. He is maxing out on every swing, on every play in the field, when he runs, everything he does. He's done it to, and, of course, he has to do that. He's a little guy uh, who, who has obviously a lot of ability, but he's going full bore all the But you're the time. talking the 1% there. You oh, are. absolutely. You're, you're, you're talking about the 1% of guys who are going to take, and it's not just the effort that you see on the field. It's the effort that those guys take into making themselves the best player they can. Right. That reach it goes. That, it goes back to training camp. They reach spring training, as oh, okay. we like to call it. Yeah, there you go. The, they reach as close to their. Um, yeah, they're maxing out their their maximum potential yeah. as they possibly can. No out. question. But here's the situation to me with a guy like Delano, who who I like. He's he's got some real potential. He's a good kid. He's a smart kid. Right. Uh, and that's what's surprising to me. You talk to him, and he says all the right things, and he, and he understands. He said all the right things when I talked to him this week in Toronto. Too. And he, and, he, and he gets it. 
but then but then you know you you just see sometimes you just get the feeling like and I think I know that uh, um, that the Jeff Bannister said that on the on the ground on the single up the middle in the, in the game last Sunday when when uh, when Shane Robinson went from first to third oh that was. That was nothing that the Lionel could do about that. Right. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. He and said he had no. He said he had no shot at Robinson. Robinson's a fast runner and had no shot. He's fast. I understand what you're saying. Is you charge go, the ball when you, when you when you got a bad arm, you got to know. I can't let these people be running on me. I got to charge everything, and I got to make sure that I, I don't let these things happen. I think there is some thought, and I, we didn't get into this too much with, with John, but the the addition of Drew Stubbs as a defensive and speed guy definitely gives the Rangers the ability now. To potentially send Delino back down to the Correct. minor leagues when That's they get exactly shoot. what it says. Yeah, um, and I think there is some thought, uh, whether it's inside the Rangers corridors or, or where, um, at least one, there's one working theory that missing that year of AAA was missing that year of kind of finishing off in, in some of the things that we're seeing that that are showing up, some of the base running things. Um, the base running out at second base in Toronto was a horrible mistake. Tagging up and going yeah. to second. Yeah. Um, going from first to second. When the runners could have scored. Well, yeah. Warland it cost them a run. Yeah. cost them a run. Um, <clears throat> there, is, there are some things that you know could be applied in terms of a finishing school at, at AAA. Long-term, I don't know that it's got to be a long-term thing, but I, I do think that there are some things you can send a guy down to AAA and say, okay, we want you to work on these specific items. Um and I do think that part of the reason that they got Drew Stubbs back was to put them in a position where when that time comes, they can do that. I don't think there's any question they're doing that. And, and here's the bad thing about this. I know that, that fans look at it like, well, Lewis Brinson's just going to end up playing center field anyway. And he may and, and, and probably will. And, and, I, and I think defensively he's a, he's a far superior Yeah, and fans also thought Ruben Mateo was going to play yeah, right field uh, here for 15 well, years. Well, so did Rafael Palmero, we may recall that, right. uh, hanging up his jersey in the dugout, uh, which was crazy. Uh, but the, the point is, is that I, I think that Delano Shields is better than a fourth outfielder. I think that I think that he, you know, I, I he's not a he's not a center fielder. I don't want him playing center field every day, but but he's fast. Uh, he's he's a good base run. He can be a good base runner, uh, and he's got a little bit of pop. He's got a good approach at the plate when he's good. Uh, he he does a good job. He takes pitches. Oh, I think he, this he, discussion he that we're way. having now is not to indicate that Delano De Shields is an inadequate baseball player. Or an inadequate starter. I think that the discussion we're having now is: Are there things that he lacked in his development yeah. that would allow him to get closer to maximizing out his potential, which would be as a starting out. And, and, and this is my, my point about too when we talked to John to, about that about the, the ability to do other things. Uh, the depth that they have allows them because the Desmond has been. They're in good. better shape depth wise than they've ever been. I now, think they are too. Not necessarily when it comes to the rotation, which obviously is a huge, huge issue. Um, but everywhere else, I think they're in better shape than they've been in in a in a full decade at, at least. You know they. If they're if they're without Beltrake, uh, Gallo is on the DL now for two or three weeks with the groin issue. But if you're without Beltre, you've got Gallo. If you miss a, a, a middle infielder, you've got Alberto, or you can go pro far. Uh, you've got in the outfield, you've got the ability. We now see that Nomar Mazzara is a is basically entrenched in that outfield, and and you've got the ability to bring up Brinson. 
Uh, if if Beltre is going to play third base long time long term, and you have an issue at first base, you may move Gallo across the diamond. So, uh, and 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 we we just talked about the bullpen with John. We talked about Luke Jackson. We talked about Matt Bush. Tanner Shepherds is going to start getting back on a mound. So they've got some potential reinforcements for that bullpen. The rotation is the one place where they're a little bit thin, and and their hope but is that that's that's. It's a significant, it's significant, it's significant issue. But let's also say that for the first 30 the games of this great. season, the rotation has been great. Yeah, the bullpen has been. The bullpen has been a little bit disappointing. But, you know, here's the thing about bullpens. I mean, we, we all fell into this trap a little bit. They're yeah, fickle. absolutely. You think just because the guy was good the year before, we're, we're seeing this even, you know. Uh, they are the most delicate, or, because the bullpen itself is, a, is an organism. And it works based on. How your rotation works that is going to work through that turn. It works based on did you have to go to the left-hander earlier than you wanted to and now the right-hander's got to come in and face a left-handed hitter. Uh, there are so many aspects of what makes a bullpen work. And what the Rangers got, let's face facts, that what the Rangers got last year was two incredible months out of a bullpen. Right? Would they have gotten a full year out of that bullpen at that level? Probably not. But they got two great months out of that bullpen. They, they picked up two guys who were better than anybody could have imagined. Correct. Right. So, so and we also meant, we didn't mention Keona Kella, who should be back around right. the All Star break. So, and if they get that bullpen, if they get all those pieces back for the for the final two months but, of the year, boom, boom. Well, then, but then, will this what will happen to the rotation? Well, right. so well that's when they add Sonny Gray. Yeah, all right. Oh. It's an interesting thing to me too now because because most analysts, national analysts, were not giving the Rangers the nod in the AL West going into the season. Most everybody was saying the Astros. The Rangers are never and, a, the, and then the Mariners. Pick, yeah, they're never. They never are. Uh, and, and then the Rangers. The Rangers. Were I, mostly I, I think it was mostly the Astros, and I think that the Rangers and Mariners were were kind of split. I think those mm. teams, those those pundits that had a second AL West team making the playoffs. Most of them had the Rangers as a wild card over the Mariners. Uh, but in, in my working theory on the Mariners was one of being lazy in that they had so many new pieces, it was just hard for me to see how they'd all fit together. They are a better ball club than they were a year ago. Yeah, Robinson Cano, who I was really down on at the end of last year, has come out great to start this season. Um and I think what we can say a month and a half into the season is the Astros are going to have to play at the level that the Rangers did last year to climb back into this thing. The Angels, without Garrett Richards and with Albert Pujols getting older by the day, no chance. are done. Yeah. Um, the A's are not going to be a factor. And no. so it's going to come down, I think, to the Rangers and the Mariners playing a lot head-to-head with the idea of, I still think this Astros club is good. I think this is a good team. I think they've gotten off to a bad start. Absolutely. But they are going to have to play really good baseball, and that's a lot of pressure to apply to that They're only six games behind the Rangers right now. Correct. I mean, six is kind of a lot. Six is a lot. Not not in the division when you play a lot of games against each other. That's true. You do do play, you know, and they play three times in Houston next weekend. But here's the thing about the Astros. Dallas Keuchel was just unbeatable last year. At home. At home. Yes, absolutely. And now he's been proven to be beatable. And and so you know what does that do for their psyche? Carlos Correa is making more errors at shortstop. You know, can you guarantee uh, me you Darvish will be you Darvish when he comes back? Well, I can't. I, I'm not saying they're going to run away with it. I'm just saying that the that th- this Astros team has some holes in it. When Colby Rasmus is your best 
hitter, basically, that's a dangerous thing. I mean, he has come a long way, but I know what you're saying there. Why? Why do but people? But you could look at it as you could, another way to look at it is he's your best hitter now. And when what he, happens if he stays stays at that level and everybody else? But he won't stay at that level. He'll, he'll, whatever, he'll whatever be who else he comes is. Up. He'll be first right. of all. People will figure out. Quit throwing him a low fastball. You know. Uh, so I, I think that. But what if Correa and Gomez and Springer correct. and Gaddis all get their acts together and come back up here? True. That's a that's a talented team. I, I do the, the thing that would concern me if I'm an Astros fan is as well as Keiko has pitched, but the number of innings he's pitched over the last three years, the huge leap he had in innings from last year to this from fourteen to fifteen, I think those are all the kinds of things that start to catch up. And it doesn't look like their bullpen is is significantly better. You know now. what the best thing about this podcast has been? What? We've all played well together. Oh, it's all been a- nice. after you know the other two podcasts were a little touchy. Well, Evan finally his uh, <laughs> here his, we go. His Nyquil kicked in. I think oh is what it was. Oh my gosh! Now the Nyquil. No, actually, the Nyquil wore off. Is what <laughs> is it is. that? What it was? Okay. Yeah. I, I, but this G- this was a, a solid podcast. Everybody got along. What Gina, <laughs> Gina made me take a shot of the Nyquil last night before bedtime. Oh, um, uh, that'll do it. Yeah, it was. Uh, but our other po- our other podcasts today, the one with David Moore, the Cowboy podcast. But but the, the, uh, people need to listen to those just for the tension aspect. The, uh, yeah. t- and the tension was high. The yeah. tension was, it was high. It was not phony tension. No, I was I was this close to walking out. Well, people can't see that. What what are you doing? It's very close. How, are, you, are your fingers close to me? With, with your I, arms? I was this in, close to walking out. Donald Trump terms. Yeah. It was something that we could use to measure something about you, but I, I don't want to talk about it. What? What, <laughs> what, what could we have done to make you walk out so we'll know for the future? <laughs> you were very close, very close. I may, I, I'm going to drop the mic and leave one of these. I promise. I'm going right. to. You're going to do a Sherrington out and just drop the yeah, mic? That's it. That's uh, it. So we had David Moore talking Cowboys, minicamp. You know, this is... It's hard for me to get excited about minicamp and OTAs and all that stuff that we've got coming up for the if they, Cowboys. If they called it spring training, would you get excited? No, because yes, you, you would. No, I, you, you would. would. No, I would not, Barry. Because here's why: we've still got another six, you know, four yeah. or five months to go until you get That's to the correct. season. That is it's correct. It's a process, sir. Mr. Garrett, a team. it's a it's a process in building a team. The NFL, it's 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 too much of a process, and I think Kevin's exactly right. I mean, I, I really think that these OTAs and all this all this other stuff is basically an exercise in saying, let us keep our eyes on you. Absolutely, I, I think you know they they want to do whatever they can do, but it's ridiculous, it's too much, and you're tramping all over everybody else's seasons. And we had Chuck Carlton on about the Big Twelve, and he. Talked about TV networks and expansion. Expansion. And we didn't and even get to talk to him about how everybody looked in, in, in spring football. Spring training. We're, we're going to have him back to talk about that. So I'd love to have him back again. Yeah, spring football. Well, hopefully Kevin will join us again in the future. <laughs> I don't it's, it's close. You know what? This will give folks something to uh, tune into. It'll be. It's the cliffhanger. Will Kevin be back? <laughs> I've, I've, I, I will say this: that I tried I that question. I need to give you two bits of information. Last week, I tried yeah. to land Greg Zahn, former Rangers catcher, for the Rangers podcast on Monday um, to talk about the Rangers Blue Jays upcoming series. Um, he referred me to his assistant. At which point in time, I thought two things: this is a backup catcher who a had an assistant, <laughs> and b there was no chance in hell that we were going to get him on the air. Um, I thought we, Chris Collinsworth was coming on with us last we week. We do have a that. tentative uh, commitment next week from C.J. Nikowski 
from Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1, and MLB Radio Network to join us to talk Rangers and pitching and, and all of that stuff. And, can, can I make a request? And he's our favorite, CJ. Can I make a request? Oh, 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 that's, that's that doesn't take much. No, that doesn't. I'd like to get D-Row back on. Can you get him back? He was. We will get you the, the next time that D-Row is on, it'll be a Mark DeRosa, Mike DeRosa to, Michael to Young people. special. We will have them both on at the same time. Okay. We will not get a word in, and it will probably be the best podcast that we ever have. Can we have them in studio? Not both of them. One of them? Maybe. Which one? Neither. It's time for us to say goodbye. It's that special time of day. Goodbye. When we say goodbye to everybody, Kevin, I apologize. Tune in oh, next week. I'm back at you. Oh, kumbaya, everybody. Oh, it's just so great here. Tune in next week to see will Kevin Sherrington return to Ballsy? Good question. And if he doesn't return, will he take his name with him for the podcast? Oh, I like that. Did you trademark it? Did you copyright it? I did. It? I did. You copyrighted it? Bye, everybody. <laughs>